This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho, Men in Blazers World Headquarters, it's the Men in Blazers Podcast. Oh. Indian summer, Rog. I wish. It is an Indian summer. Sad. 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 Yeah. Why are you sad? It's an international break sadness. It's a lot of different reasons I've realised conflating. I've given a lot of thought to this. Okay, what's going on? Well, first of all, my hands, David. Yeah. They're covered in blood. They're a bit yellow. Yeah. Do you have jaundice? There's a a reason for that. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. They've just come from the sad annual culling of seersucker. (laughs) Do you cull your seersucker at the end of the summer? Yeah. How do you do that? You beat it with clubs. I burn it. <laughs> I round it all up in a big mound. You round it up. I quite, I'm not quite sure the rules of seersucker, so I'm quite strict yeah. with the, the ridding it from my wardrobe yeah. stipulation. All I know is we're forbidden from wearing it again till Memorial Day. Yeah. But no one, David, mm-hmm. no one can explain why to me. And I just find it really, I find it frightening because we live in this great country, this wonderful bastion of democracy and freedom. Yeah. And to me, this, this no seersucker, it just smacks of fashion tyranny. No, we need standards, Ross. There must be some lines between the wardrobe one wears from one season to another. I don't just need rules. Yeah. I need meaning. See, I must say, though, your point, though, would be taken if we're in Los Angeles. Los Angeles always confused me. I loved it that the day after Labor Day, girls in Los Angeles started wearing sweaters and scarves because they were <laughs> desperate to wear full wardrobe in 85 degree weather they're so desperate to have seasons and they girls yeah. currently in los angeles listening to us yeah in your woolies oh i love it i bet like me you're counting down the 265 days until yeah. memorial day 2017 uh-huh. whilst hurriedly summoning your tweed supplies back from storage but i'm also sad that was for you by the way gfop ruth caruso in los angeles go ahead <sighs> This was meant to be the stealth summer of soccer. Yeah. Do you remember when we were excited about it all? Oh, my God. I'm so tired of it. It's all been a bit crap. I don't know whether I'm tired of the summer of soccer or I've just realised I've just reached the capacity in myself for football. I need to be... Something's got to happen for me to to reignite my love of football. I got it. Last night came a little bit close. There was something there. I felt something, Rog. The Mexico-Honduras game. Yeah. But it was a... I've got to tell you, I need something more exciting to bring me back to life because this summer of soccer has gone on way too long. Yeah, I mean, the Cooper Centenario Anniversario Centenario. Centenario. A little bit half-assed, if we're being honest, wasn't it? Yeah, it was awful. Most of the teams didn't care. Sorry, it was awful. Yeah, officially. Yeah. And the United States, I mean, oddly enough, they progressed to Jurgen's semi-final target, Yeah. which when he made it first, clear that that was where we were going to head. Seemed like he was trolling us, trolling the entire nation. Yeah. But then that feeble exit against Lionel Messi Uh and Argentina just made all of the progress made feel half empty. Mm. Euro 2016. Oh, it was crap. Other than Iceland. (laughs) Other than that, it was pretty crap. And they cruised Won the whole thing. And then in Euro, in the World Cup qualifying (laughs) this week, lose 2-0 to Switzerland in their opening game. It's just... Crap. Let's just Rog. say the quality was crap and Portugal were symbolically appropriate victors. And David. And those mint green uniforms, I just still haven't gotten over those, Rog. The Olympics. Yeah. It's meant to be the perfect champagne coda to a summer in which the game's profile had just grown irrevocably stronger on our shores. Irrevocably. Yeah. I like that word. 
we're meant to defend the women's gold. Yeah. What happened? Well, we didn't. Stunned. Lost to a bunch of cowards. Yeah. Ten, which is a euphemism for the organised, tenacious <laughs> Swede. Yeah. In the quarterfinals. At least you know I'm not pro-Sweden, Rog. God, with Hope Solo, Zika tweets, uh-huh. fumbles on the field and post-match comments. That was quite the trifecta. That's almost a John Terry hat-trick. Yeah. Those are the iconic memories left amidst the flotsam and jetsam of the summer, David. And then the Premier League season starts, Rog. And you're yeah. just getting into it again. You're just believing. You're getting into your fantasy. You're getting used to all these big new stars. You're getting excited about these new managers. And thwomp. The entire momentum is killed by the international break. Premier League withdrawal. Yeah. Oh, it was bad, Dave. It was bad. It's like a visit to the sloth of despond. (laughs) (laughs) I don't use that phrase enough. I like it. The sloth of despond. It's good. Well, you you might not use it enough, but you feel it a lot. I think I am the sloth of despond. I think you are. Very true. I felt like Bob in the Upside Down. I I realise football... It is akin to life's meaning for me. This is what I've realised in the past two weeks, David. Football, it is life's meaning to me. And the games are like stepping stones that lie ahead and keep me going. And the international break just is that period of time when those stepping stones are just too far apart. And you have to jump. And you know you're going to miss. And your Stan Smiths are going to get wet. Yeah, anyway, I'm going back to the UK this week, Rog. And this weekend, we're going to go and see some championship football on Saturday. I'm going to go down to Craven Cottage and see Fulham play Birmingham. Maybe that will reignite, right? Championship football, JW, that will reignite my love of the game. The passion of all that is good. But let's leap into it. Head first, blindly, yeah. truly, madly, deeply. The international break, or as GFOP at AndersonMT09 tweeted us, the international break, what it would be like if the NFL took week two off so the players could go home and play in a local flag football game. <laughs> I feel like the US would win the World Cup. Uh, we've got a packed show, Rog. We're going to wildly overreact to the US men's national team's World Cup qualifying wins against Trinidad, Tobago, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Rog. Four games in two matches. We're going to celebrate the House of Pies' accession to the throne and talk Big Sam's first England win was a fix and we marked the Premier League's <laughs> return by speaking with a 20 year old who went from Santa Cruz to Sunderland the one and only Lyndon Gooch plus we recap the transfer windows comings and goings and preview the Premier League scriptwriter's answer to the battle of the bastards Jose versus Pep to the football Rog let's crack open a Guinness you're going for the Guinness draft the black can with the gold top I'm still because it's still warm outside Rog I'm still looking for Guinness's beer of summer it is the Guinness Blonde their American lager you're technically not allowed to drink that again until Memorial Day (laughs) (laughs) but cheers I say this sadly to seersucker the fabric of barbecue and democracy (laughs) (sighs) okay Rog to the football we remain 338 of the way through the Premier League season. That does not reduce, and we emerge from an international break made slightly less bleak by the skills of a young Jedi. And they return <laughs> from an exile that made Napoleon's trip to Elba look like spring break. The US men's national team is through to the hex, 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 Rog, after two mood changing wins in their last pair of games in CONCACAF's World Cup qualifying semi-final round. The 4-0 win Tuesday night against mighty, mighty Trinidad and Tobago in Jacksonville and Friday's 6-0 demolition of St. Vincent 
and the Grenadines. Take that, Vinci Heat. Yes, yeah, set up a clash with Mexico, November 11th in Columbus, Ohio, to open the hex. But before we get to that, let's hop in the George Michael sports machine and head back to that cricket pitch in St. Vincent and <laughs> slash all the Grenadines and relive the throng of storylines that have turned US fans' frowns upside down. Fuck a chow. Oh, this game, David. Pete CONCACAF. A game that had to be played in the midday Caribbean heat and humidity because the Ornos Vale Stadium, a cricket ground, did not have floodlights. The game was on being sports. They yeah. didn't so much just broadcast it yeah. as they did Skype it. <laughs> Ray Hudson sadly not on duty because he would have had a field day with the visuals. Uh-huh. This game, Dave, let us remind ourselves, played on a cricket pitch with the yeah. batting area, the wicket, yeah. in the middle of the field. The square. Totally visible. Uh-huh. Drawing the eye in an otherwise largely empty stadium as the cameraman made random cutaways in-game during action to just zoom into female fans, shaking the camera around as he did so, erratic angles, the wind whipping into the sound mics. Oh, there was a single steel drum national anthem, which was actually quite fantastic. At John Newell... I can't believe we let Mance out, who directs our show, to go and do this game. I, I don't know how he had the time to get down there. It made our production quality look absolutely optimal. At John Newell Cook tweeted us, I feel like I'm watching USA via a live feed from a 1986 JVC handheld camcorder being shot by Brad Guzan's dad. You probably were. <laughs> I mean, it's very likely. <laughs> Welcome to CONCACAF, David. Yeah, I'm not sure it was JVC. It would have been like uh, Magnavox or one of those kind of a brands. <laughs> Peter Max. Yeah, brilliant. This Eight track. So good. CONCACAF yeah. football brought to you by the Discman. <laughs> the Hex so brought to you by the Shakeweight. Yeah. Oh, before we jump into this game mm-hmm. and analyse its deeper meaning, yeah. we've got to remind ourselves the US were playing, well, the US population 324 million. Mm-hmm. We're playing St. Vincent and the Grenadines, ranked 156 in the world, population 110,000, yeah. essentially the size of Cambridge, Massachusetts. Yeah. Apart from St. Vincent and the Grenadines kind of scatter their population across a collection mm. of 32 islands. This win... That 110,000 includes feral dogs as well, Rog. Yeah, and the people who were responsible for um, closing the deals for the (laughs) CONCACAF branding opportunities. This win, to me, it was akin to a boxer losing a big title challenge against Argentina Mm. and then rebuilding their career against a couple of patsy journeymen. But the storyline going into this was no Clint Dempsey, no Jermaine Jones, both out injured. Get well soon, Clint. Michael Bradley suspended and the veteran spine that had played for the US since the 1950 USA won England nil shock heard around the world how would they cope without it Davo? in truth it was a whole new world and we kind of liked it yeah kind of liked it Rog but the football was all a bit conquer cafe at the beginning it was it was a little rough let's just say the Vinci Heat seemed tactically cavalier uh, less interested in having a solid back line, more seeing how often they could clobber Americans on the edge of their own box. It was a dicey game to play, and one that would soon come undone thanks to Bobby Wood. We've said it before, Dave. We'll say it again. Bobby Wood, he's a great American. He was another under-the-radar US talent, took a gamble, left his family to join the Youth Academy of 1860 Munich when he was 14 years of age, overcame what he describes as quite savage marginalisation uh, that comes along with being an American in Europe in the youth development system. 
along with the intense competition, and it paid off. He's resilient, and he's now starting in the Bundesliga for Hamburg, and he scored uh, on his debut in week one there. It took a while for his goal to come, but once it did, we only had to wait four minutes for a second. Matt yeah. Besler, who'd just become a dad oh. that day with a fine outside-of-the-boot finish. Josie Altador thumped a penalty to tie Clint Dempsey for most in U.S. men's national team history. His 14th mm. World Cup qualifying goal, a record he'd soon break. At halftime, Davo, we tweeted, Jürgen, Pulisic, Nagby, Kleshtan, bitter. At Peronaldino, quickly responded, are we playing marry, kill, start, bench? <laughs> but we didn't have long to wait because we were soon rewarded in the 67th minute. On came Kleshtan and Pulisic, and it took just four minutes for their partnership to establish itself. Yeah, they look good with each other. A couple of quick no-look passes by Christian, so self-assured, topped off by a sweet move. Sasha curling the ball to a charging, tenacious P to finish astutely. Away in a manger, no crib for his bed. The little Lord Jesus <laughs> laid down his sweet head. Davo, arise not the, not the that child we're building, king. Not, not that we're going to get carried away with the bandwagon, Rod. We're not, but we'll just no, say. We're just comparing him to Jesus. Yeah, well, well why stop there? I mean, Tutankhamen <laughs> became uh, the king age nine yeah, or ten. Okay. And my favourite, the infamous Who Twins, who we've talked about before. Yeah. The 11-year-old cigar-smoking leaders of the Minamar guerrilla group God's Army. Yeah, you love them. In the 1990s, he, uh, the, the adults around them believed they had magical powers like being invulnerable to bullets. It would not be surprising to me, Dave, yeah. if Christian Pulisic was invulnerable to bullets. <laughs> well... Well, we might find out during CONCACAF qualifying. <laughs> much stranger things have happened. Uh, Rog? Uh, oh, don't mention stranger things, Dave. I cannot wait for season two. By the way, while you're waiting, watch Gamora on Sundance Channel. It's the best piece of television I've seen, apart from the US game against St. Vincent and Grenadines, which we'll now return to, because Christian then returned the favour, setting up Sasha, mm. one of the loveliest guys in the game. His last star yeah. had been... March 5th, 2014, a diabolical 2-0 loss to Ukraine and Cyprus, which he really carried the can for. And you feel that speaking to him, he really yearned for another chance to prove himself mm. what he felt was a fair chance to impress. At Vladimir Bratic tweeted us, Kleshjan Pulisic combination from today, the most productive 20 minutes of Serbo-Croatian relations since the early 90s. Oh, and then as the sands of the game ran out, one final calm, brilliant finish by Pulisic, leaving the goalkeeper frozen. The kind of finish that makes it hard to believe he's still only 17 when he came on the pod. He's just a baby. He is. And we talked about his speed of light rise last week. I asked him if he ever felt doubt, Davo, and he dismissed the question with an ironclad self-belief that you talk about elite athletes having. Yeah. Separates the, the talented tennis player. You don't have time for doubt. You do not have time for doubt. I was watching, I was at the US Open last night watching poor, another great Serbian, Rod Djokovic, play. And he just demolished Songa, who ended up retiring hurt. But he had a, he had a hurt heart, a hurt brain and a hurt ego by the end of that game. <laughs> He's just no doubt whatsoever. He hits the ball, thracks it out of the centre and his just footwork tells you exactly what's going to go and happen next. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. No self-doubt. And it's the same that this... I don't want, I'm not comparing him to Jesus yet, Rog. But, but he's but got the Collins, same... Right. Tootin Carmen's fine. Yeah. He's got exactly the same quality. And he's got so much skill that even the curse of Rog can't bring him down. Well, I'll, yet. I'll <laughs> say this, Dave. The opposition, subpar, 
and they had two goals ruled off for offside, which hmm, could have been game changers. The field conditions, a joke. But by the final whistle, Davo, the Christian Pulisic hype train, it was already up to 11. What do we make of this height at that point, Davo, before the Trinidad and Tobago game? I don't think it's a lot different, frankly, between the two things. These are Trinidad and Tobago, obviously a better team than St. Vincent and the Grenadines. But this is what I'll say in the plus column. You can only play against the team put against you. We've seen plenty of international teams struggle against Minoe opposition. <laughs> and one thing that you need in your international career is you need a good start. So... You don't go sort of seven, eight games and you haven't scored yet and, it, and it's a problem. He came right out of the gates. He has come right out of the gates with fantastic performances. I think the link up with Klestian is really, really significant. I think the fact that there is a somewhat resurgent, dare I say, it, Josie Altador playing up top, they are, there's a combination of those three guys with Bobby Wood coming in as well, scoring goals. It's very, very good timing for him. And you can build on this. And we're going to see them play against better opposition very, very quickly. Yeah, uh, Cuba, November 11th. Cuba and, Cuba and New Zealand are coming up very fast. But on one hand, I was telling myself, I can remember the wonder goal that 17-year-old Juan Aguadello scored in 2010 against South Africa on his debut. I think it was in the 85th minute. And he's now a squad player for the New England Revolution. On the other hand, part of me is just saying... I think the USA are going to win the 2018 World Cup, David, with this Pulisic, Kleshjian, Jordan Morris, Linden, oh, Linden Gooch, whatever. I'll say the drumbeat at the end of this game for Pulisic thrashed at 128 beats per minute. You, you, you mentioned something about the opposition, David, and you can only play the opposition that is before you. And I do want to take a, a quick detour. I kept trying to ask myself after this game, what can we learn about the US from such a triumph? that their team can stroll onto a scrubby wreck field anywhere in the world and get their business done. That's great. And yes, the great thing about being in CONCACAF is that we always qualify for the World Cup. We've made it to the last seven. But I keep thinking in 2005, Australia, a similarly developing football culture, moved from the Oceania region where they played the likes of American Samoa, Cook Islands and New Caledonia. And they moved to the more competitive Asian confederation to find tougher opposition, become a better team in the long term, have higher exposure games and make more money. And I can't help but feeling, David, the US, they should start to play in the South American region. Well, they'll only do it if Mexico moves south as well, uh, Rog. And I don't think change when it comes to FIFA and CONCACAF uh, seems very, very hard. To orchestrate. Just think about it. Commabol, packed with powerhouses, Brazil, Argentina, Chile, Uruguay, Colombia, Paraguay, Ecuador, box office for fans in America. I mean, you wouldn't see the empty Jacksonville Stadium for home games like we did last night. And a massive regular challenge for our players that can only sharpen their ability on the field. I must say, I do think that this pre-hex is a complete and utter waste of time. It's a complete waste of time. I'd much rather see 10 teams, uh, an opening round and see 10 teams going to qualifying, looking a bit more like Common Bowl qualifying than this ridiculous pre-hex round. I couldn't agree more. This doesn't do anybody any good apart from, I guess, a legacy of uh, when CONCACAF was organised solely for the benefit of the manufacturers of brown manila envelopes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But okay, flash forward, Rog, in the George Michael sports machine to... 
last night. Jacksonville, Florida, Rog. US men's national team, four, Trinidad and Tobago, Rog, nil. And this was something slightly different. Yeah, it was, mostly because it was on Fox. <laughs> who marketed the game as Road to Russia, which sounds like a forthcoming Edward Snowden biopic. 68th ranked Trinidad and Tobago. Wild decision by the US on this one not to play the game on a cricket pitch. Yeah. Just so unconquer cafe. Played it on a empty-ish NFL stadium uh, instead. Six new starters. There is that cricket pitch in Florida, Rod. Some guys hearing about it this weekend. Some massive multi-multi-millionaire has built a massive cricket pitch and stadium like ready to house international cricket citizen. in Florida. Good, I know. To, he intentionally <laughs> built the cricket field there. solely to host the yeah, United exactly. States men's national team in CONCACAF. Oh, I love it. It's, it's the future. Fort Lauderdale or somewhere. Oh, let's go. Dad, play all our home games there from yeah, now on. Be brilliant. Six new starters uh, from the previous game, including Tim Howard. We've got to talk about the goalkeeper situation. This Tim Howard, Brad Guzan, Jewel, Davo. Yeah. It's not a good look for a football team. To me, it's essentially a vote of no confidence in Brad Guzan. With this sort of youth movement happening and these new faces hitting the team at the front, it's almost like this is a, this is a squad with two halves. There's what's going on in the sort of the midfield and at the front and then what's going on at the back. And the fact that we're still talking about Tim Howard and Brad Guzan is, um, I don't know, it's retro. All I'll say is chopping and changing your goalkeepers, each of them have different strengths, ability to command their penalty areas. It just unsettles the hell out of a back line. Mm. And this piece of flapping skin needs to be healed quickly or stagnate like a self-inflicted wound. But let's talk about the other new faces. Steve Birnbaum, Jewish Messi, mighty Sasha Kleshdan getting the start, Littlefinger. And most wondrously of all, Tenacious P, Christian Pulisic, who became the youngest US player to start in a qualifier, 17 years, 353 days. God, when I think what I was doing at his age, mm. that he's missing out on by being a pro footballer, I feel sorry for him. He'll never put the hard work I did into making out with my pillow. Never. <laughs> That's too much. I mean, I think sometimes the age thing gets overplayed. Um, the reality is different, different boys grow at different speeds and they develop into players. Still at different, waiting for the changes to grip me. Still waiting for the change. Uh, <laughs> it is a remarkable story as age. And of course, it's something that excites people. He's a player of such maturity and such intelligence at this age. I almost think his age has got nothing to do but with it. But would you have point. started him? Oh, against Trinidad and Tobago and against St. Vincent and the Grenadines and probably this summer uh, in the uh, Copa Anniversario, I think I would have started him, uh, Rog. He's a player of great ability. I do worry. Look, I would say in the outset before we fully like charge up the hype train. I'm about to throw I myself think, onto the track. I think the greatest... Take me! Take I think me. the greatest <laughs> obstacle... <laughs> to Christian Pulisic's success is going to be this hype train that's going to follow him. Just let him play. Let him score his goals. Let him make his assists. Uh, let him, what's it that Joe Hart always says, keep assisting, keep, uh, keep, scoring. keep scoring. Make magic um, happen. Let him go and do that. I think already, Make out with your pillow, Christian. The amount of people on Twitter who are already sort of tweeting out, oh, Landon Donovan, prepare for your records to be broken. He's started one game right now. Let's let him establish his law on the pitch, on the field, on the cricket pitch, Rog. <laughs> not, uh, not 
it's going to be a long career for but, this young man. But Landon, if you are listening, <laughs> prepare for your record to be broken. Um, to kick off, at Deachman tweeted us, Go USA! If we're going to boycott the 2018 World Cup in Russia, mm. we've got to qualify first. Yeah. Onwards. See, it was a bit of a snooze start, David. I, don't, I, I have a feel Donald Trump will be sitting right next to Vladimir Putin <laughs> in the opening game of World Cup in Russia. Rog. It's a friendship game. Yeah. Oh, God, it was a bit of a snooze start. Mm. My game notes just acknowledge the way John Strong says the word Birnbaum always sounds like Bing Bong. It does sound like Bing Bong. Yeah, I was pretty disappointed that Bing Bong wasn't playing. Sad I think he's a memories. promising young he's player. He's got he's time. Ooh, he's I the like Do- Bing Bong. Yeah, him and Darlington Nagby, they yeah. need their shout. But John Strong, it's too soon. Yeah. Tears, sad memories. Hashtag RIP Bing Bong. GFOPs were thinking of weightier philosophical topics, Davo, uh, such as at Strong Arm Bruise. Davo, can you explain why Jeff Cameron looks so tan for a man who lives in Stoke? <laughs> yeah, well, because he's not been living in Stoke this summer. <laughs> I always used to love it, the, the opening games in August back in the Premier League and watching all the English players back when it was just English players and Scottish players and Irish players coming in with their suntanned legs. It was always very funny. The Scottish at the end guys, of their red. Holidays. I know. Freckles. Um, I don't know how to explain Jeff Cameron's suntan. He looks to me like a gent who's preparing for his local amateur dramatic company's production of Soul Man. Mm. Yeah, that's a Thomas C. Hell joke. The U.S. started slowly, little in the way of cohesion in the U.S. midfield between Bradley, Bedoya and Kleshjian at, at the outset. But Christian Pulisic just started like a man intent on creating his own chances. It's amazing to see how quickly he was the force his teammates deferred to try to feed him the ball. You, you hit it. He's got this preternatural maturity. And it was incredible to watch him inject a level of quality into an otherwise mediocre first half. He's only five foot eight. He's 140 pounds. To me, he's a testament for all youth coaches across the nation. Just leave the little guys in. You don't always need to win now by putting in the premature giants. And he managed to hit both posts when finishing would have been easier. It was just a moment of magic. When, <laughs> he, when he charged through, it's a moment when he charged through the gut of the defenders, just charging through four players, picking up an extra gear. And as he did so, Dave, I'll admit, I peed my pants just a little bit. <laughs> he is electric. He has such a wonderful change of pace and ability to drop a shoulder, Rog. When you watch him from the tactical cam, from the cam, from sort of behind the action, and you watch him... Do, do we all get that, or do you, is it just you? Well, I just... That's how I watch. That's why <laughs> yeah. on my own, on the Devo television yeah. network, I see it. But when you watch a replay and you're seeing it from behind or from the front, you watch him in regular action and you think, OK, he ran directly through the defence, or he jigged a little bit. When you watch from behind, you see the level of lateral movement that goes with his vertical movement. It's amazing how much he uh, jogs and jigs and jags, Rog. Reminds me a little bit of watching Eden Hazard. Very different players, very different skill levels, but his ability on the ball to run with the ball and his electric change of pace and his electric movement. I was just starting to type, if we only had 11 Christian Pulisics when the US came to life. And it was the second narrative kicking back in. Sasha Kleshjian. Bit of a crap goal. Tap, tap, tappity tap. But they all count, David. And this one cemented the second coming of Sasha. An MLS redemption story. And what a good footballer. You watch him play for the Red Bulls. You watch him in this game. Watch his movement. He's just a footballer. He's one of those guys you feel could play in multiple positions. Does everything, everything well. Always looks stylish. He looked at home. He didn't look new for one second. 
uh, on this field. His movement was great. He got free uh, for the goal in the area and knocked it in. Two goals, two games for Sasha after scoring four goals in his first 46 US appearances. And could a- not happen to a nicer guy. A lovely, lovely bloke. And agents across Hollywood are wondering whether Adam Driver or Littlefinger Aidan uh, Gillen will be cast to play Sasha in the movie called 2018. Holy we just won the World Cup in Moscow. <laughs> oh, the bandwagon. <laughs> oh, second goal, courtesy of a phenomenal shuffle by Josie to create space for himself. Josie, Davey, still just 26. Yeah. But with that goal, the new all-time leader in US World Cup qualifying goals were 15. Yeah, back from injury. Rog has been amazing ever since he's been back from injury for club and country. He looks... Should we say a little leaner? Looks a bit fitter. He's got a bit more spring. His first step looks back. i got to tell you, as significant as your A storyline, Polisic, as significant as your B storyline, the emergence of, of Klesjian. And your A plus one Jewish Messi. This C storyline, Josie Altador, this is the one that could be the most significant during not only the hex, on the road to Russia and in Russia itself. Uh, Rog, if Josie Altador can, can, can put the ball in the back of the net like this, the US can, on their day, beat anyone. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was trying to think of people that have benefited more of CONCACAF play than Jack Warner. And the only person I can think of is Josie Altador. He feasts uh-huh. on CONCACAF opponents. He struggled to be fit in major competitions. The US have been lesser for He that loves fact. it on a cricket pitch. But, boy, you should play all his games <laughs> on a cricket on pitch. Fort Lauderdale, uh, Lauderdale Fort Lauderdale cricket pitch. Look into that, JW. Find oh. out about that Fort Lauderdale cricket pitch. Well, everyone in America was trying not to overreact to what they were watching. At Fat7 Juice tweeted it. It's like we've got Messi and Ronaldo on the same team. Yeah, Pulisic and Josie, similar. Similar, Rog. Yeah, maybe uh, there'll be a museum to Josie in his hometown yeah. one day, just like the one that Ronaldo has charitably built for himself. I mean, in truth, again, TNT had a couple of great chances in the second half that we've kind of brushed under the carpet. They shanked or mishit them. The scoreline could have been closer at a critical point. Let's not talk about those because this was a night of so many great storylines, one that was lost and shouldn't be but will be was 21-year-old Paul Ariola of Club Tijuana. Mm. I'll say it again. Paul Ariola, And then I will move on and not make <laughs> nope. any comment nope. whatsoever. Nope. Our minds were beginning to wander. Pulisic was buzzing. Sasha reborn. Josie fit, active, hungry. We weren't even playing Lyndon Gooch as an act of mercy. It's all starting to click, Davo. Vladimir Putin, just hand over that trophy right now, Davo. For me, Rog, though, that third goal, that run down the left wing by Pulisic, that was everything... You know, if you are in any way a doubter that this guy is going to be that good, watch that third goal. That is a ball which 95 times out of 100 does not beat the goalkeeper or the first or the second or the third defender or is like hit so quickly across the goal that no one can tap it in. It was so perfectly conceived, that ball, and so perfectly executed Um it just was special. He has vision and he has a perfection of execution. A perfection of execution. 
see Raz if you want to see the opposite of a perfection of execution. It is a perfect execution. It is beautiful to watch. Elite athletes have that. It comes from purposeful practice, uh, Rog, which comes from confidence and an entire lack of self-doubt. God, it was good to see. He is possibly the most exciting young American talent in sport since Kobe Bryant came out of Lower Merion. Lil Romeo committed to USC or Tatum O'Neill found a groove with the Bad News Bears. What, what I love about him is his confidence, David. How unfazed he seems. How locked in. And then I remember he's just 17. I mean, he is bombits for age, kind of, in that zone. His body is still changing. We've got no idea how it's going to hold up to the wear and tear and grind of elite football. I mean, Aaron Johansson, I spoke to him after the season in which he'd participated in like 60 plus games uh, during Altmar's deep run into the Europa League. And he said his body was physically just not used to it. Yeah. It was to an age to recover. But for all the creativity, tenacity, the work ethic, the cutting edge Pulisic showed last night, I think the most important thing that he did was offer a sense of optimism, a narrative changing sense of optimism for the US men's national team and its future especially post that damp squib of a Copa Bulgario loss to Argentina. I mean, if you look at the flow of the last cycle, Pulisic is a sign that Jürgen's willing to start to mix things up. I mean, he knows now, we've got ample evidence, Dave, out how far we're going to get with our Orozco's, our Chandler's, our Wando's. Some new blood, players untainted by past disappointment, can empower the US to play the only way they can to progress, which is something that you talk about a lot. Yeah. Playing without fear. Yeah, have got to play without fear. Look, we've had the same three standards forever. Who's going to score the goals? Poor, could be Altidore. Uh, who is going to be that? Who's going to lock up the back line? You know, that's still a little bit of a doubt. They didn't concede a goal in these two games. Defence did look a little bit shaky here and there. That's still a question going into the hex. But the emergence of a new star player, great international teams, international teams capable of winning big tournaments need star players, except for a couple of exceptions in the Euros. You need star players in order to go and do it. Pulisic has what it takes to go and be a star player. It doesn't mean that it's a dead cert. It doesn't mean that his passport is stamped right now, star player, he's going to be one of the greats. He's got to do it on the field week after week, game after game, year after year as he goes through injury, as uh, opposing defences try and figure out how to go and stop him. He's going to have a lot of challenges. But this isn't Adnan. And I think the question in my head this summer about Pulisic is, is this just Adnan Janasai? He comes in, he's amazing initially. But what Adnan never had, Adnan was explosive. He could score goals. He could do amazing things on a football field. But you never felt that you were dealing with somebody who had a real football intelligence and had a maturity off the field to go and be able to handle it. And that's what I find most impressive. The only question I've got is maturity and his intelligence is that he came on our ship. Yeah. Shows terrible judgment. He has terrible advice. But I would... (laughs) (laughs) I want to know, David, how do you imagine Sunil Galati and Klinsman's relationship is now? Sunil talked about reviewing Klinsman's position right before the Ecuador game in the Copa. And one of the things like, when I said review... I meant pay rise. Yeah, I imagine Sunil sitting on his large golden throne. <laughs> Polishing it. Yeah, his sort of hands barely reaching the arms and his legs dangling off the bottom, <gasps> swinging them like a little child. Mr. Sheen in one hand and air freshener in the other. You know, I, I don't really think that Sunil or US soccer 
has a major long-range plan when it comes. I think they're still taking it game by game, maybe even half by half in terms of where they are going with the US men's national team set up, where they are on Jurgen. You know, it, they're similar to the broadcasters. I would actually say Alexei is way ahead in terms of his long-range planning. Uh, and he's, he's, a, he's a guy whose mood visibly on television swings massively. He's so heart and soul into this US team. You literally feel Alexei from one game to the next, his, his entire life force being swayed from one end of the ocean to the other uh, by what goes on with the US. I imagine it's similar at US soccer with absolutely no emotion whatsoever. From sea to shining sea. In the dark times, Alexei, just listen to that one steel pan, steel drum rendition of the American National Anthem. It can't fail but to lift your spirits. We'll say the darkness and negativity surrounding the US national team has been put on pause. Oh, remember the Gold Cup last summer? Albeit for one week, Davo. Mm, yeah. Two slightly uninspiring challenges loom. Friendlies against the mighty Cuba and then the fighting ferns of yeah. New Zealand before we say, and we say it with relish, Davo, bring on the hex. Four teams in the hex that aren't the US or Mexico, Rog, Costa Rica, Honduras, Panama, Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, I must say, this is pretty good news for the US that Jamaica didn't make it. Jamaica, I think, are a team capable on their day of uh, giving anybody a game. But Costa Rica, Honduras, Panama, all very, very tough teams. Trinidad and Tobago, very good at home, Rog. Uh, not so good when they travel. Talking about not so good, David. Yeah, Rog, a quick word on US women's national team legend Lauren Holiday, the 28-year-old World Cup champion. She retired last year, remember. She's eight months pregnant, was recently diagnosed with a benign brain tumour. She's scheduled to have surgery after she gives birth to her child with her husband, New Orleans uh, Pelicans point guard, Drew Holiday. Our thoughts are with Lauren and Drew uh, and their family during this time. Are they ever? Yeah, absolutely, Rog. Elton, time for some comic relief. <laughs> the Big Sam era began with a World Cup qualifying win, win, win. Sunday's England smote mighty Slovakia. Yeah, take that, Martin 1-0 in injury time in Trnava, courtesy of a 95th-minute winner <laughs> from Adam Lalana, An England goal, Rog, an international goal. A big Adam boy goal. Lalana, Lalana, as I like to call him. It was very odd watching this game, David, watching... The English national team under the helm of, as Pep Guardiola calls him, the Big Sam. Yeah. Just feels something. We don't know the full story. A bit like when Uncle Junior was made head of the families at the beginning of the Sopranos' first season. Big Sam might just be a fake front for the five families. I must say, the only thing I was excited about when Big Sam took the job, other than the consumption of pies, I'm very excited for the, for the global pie industry, was that finally we were going to have a manager who would stand up in the technical area and actually try and do something. Big Sam spent the entire match pretty much sitting down. Chewing gum doesn't yeah, count as so an activity. disappointing. I mean, what can he do, Davo? Because in truth, what he's been charged to do, it was best summed up by the Guardian's excellent Marina Hyde. She said, nowadays we know any England manager is essentially managing decline. <laughs> I mean, Wayne Rooney is the big talking point going into the game and even bigger talking point coming out of the game. He's become a political hot potato more than a footballer. I don't even know what to make 
of Wayne Rooney. I don't know where I stand on Wayne Rooney, and I know where I stand on most issues. My delegates are having a pitched battle in my head. The fan in me, my, 50 of my delegates are standing up and saying, drop Rooney, don't wait until after the World Cup. His days playing for England are over. He is, the, he is the thing that is stopping the progress in this team. You've got to put somebody else in the middle, whether it's Deli Ali, whether it's Ruben Loftus-Cheek. You've got to take somebody else for that international team <laughs> and go and he are does you, very you, well for the under-21. I'm still, I'm running RubenLoftusCheek.com. Other than that, I'm not involved in, uh, in, in, in anything. He's a South East London boy. I'm pro, very pro Ruben Loftus-Cheek. But um, it's got to be somebody else who's got to occupy the middle. But then the other delegates, I've got to say, they've got a point. You just look at his record. You look at his stats. He's 30 years old, Rog. He has 116 international caps, 68 wins from those caps, 564 club caps. He has 53 international goals. He's got 263 goals for his club. If Rooney were American, if he were an American player at 30 years old with this incredible record, what we would say is a Pulisic kind of career, we would be lauding him and we would be saying... Okay, Wayne, your time might be over, but you know what? You've given so much. You've contributed so much. Thank you so much and sail off. Haven't my name is Chocker commercial. It's the level of hate and abuse and scorn that Rooney inspires. It's just, there is something amazing about it. And I compared him to Dempsey's stats. His stats are very similar. Dempsey has played 130 times for his country versus 116 for Rooney. 66 wins for Dempsey. 68 wins for Rooney, a slightly better win percentage for Rooney, but similar. Club caps, 357 for Dempsey versus 564 for Rooney. 52 international goals for Dempsey, 53 for Rooney. Club goals, Rooney's got a lot more. But it's a, we, we honour Dempsey. To, the idea of maybe Clint passing and Clint no longer playing for this team, we're going to salute him, we're going we're gonna to honour him, we're going to worship him. But our reaction, and I'm not saying I'm excluded from this 50 of my delegates are trying to like get him to never play for England again our reaction is with such scorn and is that something so English or is that something uniquely about Wazza well I think Clint Dempsey is not a man who would hold a press conference to announce his impending retirement from international football in two years time (laughs) which is what Wayne Rooney just did kind of do bring it on yourself in those circumstances I think about Wayne I think about Totti for Italy or Raul for Spain, or in a lesser way, 2014 Landon Donovan for the United States team, a once-dominant player who is undoubtedly in decline, and the shadow they cast on the team outstrips what, as a player, is contributed on the field, and he gets jammed into the side out of position. The English collective may play better, more unencumbered, undistracted, cohesive football without him, David. I mean, God, Marcus Rashford, that hat-trick on his debut again. What a debut player for the under-21s. Um, at Haggard Rum wanted to know, does Marcus Rashford actually know that he's English? It wasn't just, I mean, that game was remarkable, Rog, because it wasn't just Rashford's hat-trick, which was extraordinary, Rog. Three it goals was, in 42 minutes. And scoring at will from anywhere. He just was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful finishing. But the entire performance of that team, James Ward-Prowse, like wonderful set-piece, 
uh, delivery. You know, a certain young player from Southeast London named Ruben Loftus Cheek just controlling uh, from the middle. Another Visit young Chelsea player, Nathaniel Chaloba, uh, Rog, playing very, very well. It was just a wonderful performance. So much more enjoyable to watch that football than watching the England men's national I'll just team. say about Marcus Rashford, I don't think he knows he's English. I don't think he knows anything apart from the joy of playing football yeah. and the joy of scoring goals. Yeah. We've got to wait till he first kisses a girl, see how he yeah. reacts to that before we proclaim him the saviour. Yeah. But I did love the Daily Mail report that England manager Sam Allardyce was watching Rashford and was seen mouthing, well done, boy. And that's a direct quote. Well yeah. done, boy. From the, <laughs> well done, boy. <laughs> from the stands. Oh, my Lord. Which makes Allardyce, it, does, it makes him seem like a Charles Dickens character, like Mr. Bumble, the cruel, pompous beadle of the poorhouse in Oliver. Mm. God, he's fearless, though, Marcus yeah. Rashford. Well, let's see what Rashford can do against Malta in England's next game. They like it up and at him. One other score of note, Kosovo, who 25 years after their footballers rebelled against ruling Yugoslavia, mm. were recognised by FIFA and empowered to play their historic first ever World Cup qualifier against Finland. Game mm. was 1-1, which was truly remarkable when you realise that Kosovo only had five of their players previously been capped by Albania, uh, given clearance by FIFA to switch nationality just seven hours before kickoff. It's going to be interesting watching Kosovo. They're like the hull of UEFA, Rog. <laughs> but they've got so many potential players, David. There's a ton of Swiss or Albanian players with Kosovan heritage. Going to be... Adnan, including. Right? Yeah, Zerdan Shakiri, Granit Xhaka, mm. Valon Barami, Lorik Kanna, and Adnan, who chose ultimately... Uh, to play for Belgium will be very interesting to see how many of them apply for that switch. Interesting. God, how good would Yugoslavia? If they could all patch it up, those former uh, republics of Yugoslavia, they would be an unbelievable football team. Come on, lads. Patch it up. What could be bigger than football? (laughs) I know, nothing, Uh, Rog. Okay, the Premier League returns this weekend, Rog. The Premier League. (laughs) I vaguely remember it. The thing with the cat. The thing with the cat, Rod. I think they remember happy yeah. memories. <laughs> the first round of matches since the summer transfer window slammed shut. So we're celebrating some new friends and sitting shiver for others. There is an odd window, David. Yeah. I mean, so many returns. They say things work in threes. First Pogba came back to United. Mm. Then David Luiz returned to Chelsea. And we'll chat more about that in a minute. I spent 24 hours just living and dying that Stevie Naismith or Tony <laughs> Hibbert were going to be coming back into my loving arms. It was not to be... Deadline day is such a weird day. What happened day. with Hibbo in the, wind, in the window? I missed the Hibbo news. You obviously don't subscribe to Trout Fancy as <laughs> monthly. What's Hibbo doing? Is Hibbo <laughs> retired from football? Is Hibbo's, he no longer playing? Hibbo's working reception at Embassy He Rina. can't even make he's Ipswich. In, he's in the packaging. Hibbo, surely Ipswich can, can do something with Hibbo. Hibbo, if you're out there, just yeah. be in touch. We'll do a pod special that only I'll listen to. Uh, it's such a weird day, the transfer deadline day. I mean, you start with such optimism. It feels like the Knights of the Vale are about to send the cavalry. And then you spent hours decoding cryptic Instagrams from the players, wondering when players follow or defollow new club or their old club, whether they mean it or whether they've just hit it by accident. Watching Arsenal fans burn their Riyad Mahrez jerseys. And then the window shuts and I just find myself in front of the television in the recovery position, which is just an average Wednesday night at the Bennett House. But it was interesting, this one, the drain from La Liga, mid-level players going for big money, recycled players like Christian Benteke, Yannick Balassé, Andre Ayo going for 20 to 30 million, kind of like Timothy Mozgov money. And European teams doing business like taxi drivers in Eastern European airports just hiking up their prices mm. when they hear 
an English accent, which in truth, I think made this transfer window a little more constipated than it would have been. But who did the transfer window best, David? Well, tough to say until we see the results of the game. I would say that Chelsea had a pretty good window. David Luiz selling him for 50 million, bringing him back for 32, Rog. Um, you know, at the last minute, they seem to find a very, very experienced central defender and a central defender who can come back to Chelsea understanding the system, understanding uh, the way the club is set up. He already knows he's going to get wedged by John Terry his first day uh, back, but he knows the way from Cobham to Stamford he knows, Bridge. He knows to pre-rip his underpants <laughs> exactly. down the side so it doesn't hurt as much. They're just tearaways. Absolutely. I thought that was a very good piece uh, of business. The miracle for Chelsea, Rog, 38 players sent out on loan. 38 players sent out on loan, including uh, Matt Miazga, who's gone to Vitesse Arnhem, Rog. Yeah, 38 players spewed out to countries from Turkey to Colombia. Clubs as big as Juventus, as small as non-league Metropolitan Police. The Matt Miazga era is over. $5 million uh, Chelsea spent on those 135 Premier League minutes he played in. Um, Being a Chelsea player at Vitesse Arnhem is the equivalent of being a movie lost in turnaround. But I've got to ask you about David Luiz. They also got in Marcus Alonso, strengthening the bat with some new options. 32 million for Luiz, having sold him for 50 million two years earlier. To me, it's like when Rob Kardashian left the show for a while to go into hiding, but now he's back. How did you feel? Just somewhat of a surprise, David. Kind of a last day out of nowhere, left field piece of thinking. Uh, I feel generally positive about it. I mean, what you hear from the inside is that he just literally 48 hours before the ending of the window, they realised they could get him and they leapt at the opportunity. They never thought he was going to be available before. And the positive is he knows the system. Um, he's a very flexible player, can play centre-back, can play right-back, can play um, in the middle of the park. And I think if you know Conte does want to go back to his beloved three-man back, uh, back line. David Luiz is a ball-playing centre-back who can go and do that. He was very good for PSG against Chelsea uh, in Champions League. Uh, having said that, the one sort of slight um, cloud hanging over this is how much David Luiz seemed to enjoy competing against Chelsea, playing against them. It left, a little, yeah, left a little bit Celebrate of a sour goal. taste uh, in the mouth of Chelsea fans. He's going to be a leader in the locker room, true character on a team that needs one. He's unbesmirched by last season's Stranger Things episode mm. of a season. He can play Premier League football. He's not the most tactically astute player. I mean, it, watching him play, it's like watching a mad scientist. It's like watching Dr. Emmett Brown play at the back for Chelsea. There will be foibles. And I guess Conte is hoping that Kante can be an insurance policy against those foibles, David. Yeah, without a doubt. But there aren't many great centre-backs, Premier League quality centre-backs around in the league. People with the combination of the physical strength and the speed to go and play that position. So I feel pretty good about it. Uh, Most exciting transfer at Manchester City, Rog. Joe Hart loaned to Torino. (sighs) Watching him arrive in Torino for a season-long loan. It's like watching a bad remake of Tom Selleck in Mr. Baseball. I'm trying to think of an American equivalent that kind of captured the enormity of this move by Pep. And producer Evan reminded me that in 2004, the Red Sox hired Theo Epstein as general manager. One of his first acts was to trade away hometown hero, Nomar, five-time all-star. Epstein was pilloried. He became known as the loneliest man in Boston right after he made that trade. But the Sox went on to win their first championship 
within 86 years. I say this for Joe Hart, Dave. It is a brave move. There's not many English football cosmopolitan game, but English players, they don't travel well. Mm. Turin would be a lovely place to live, though, Rog. Uh, Up near the Dolomites, you can go skiing, uh, Rog. Wonderful food. Wonderful auto culture. Think nice of, opera house. When I think of Turin, I think of Juventus. Yeah, he probably thought he was going to Juventus. And the, the apocryphal, allegedly, but I think it probably is true, of Ian Rush, the great Liverpool goal machine who went to Juventus in the 1980s. And this pretty well captures how parochial British players were and still are. He moved to Juventus, lasted one season before returning to England. And they asked him why he didn't settle in Italy, why he hated it there. And he said... It was like living in a foreign country. <laughs> yeah, it was, weirdly. Weirdly. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how Joe Hart enjoys it there. Um, Arsenal, Rog. Oh, my favourite. This is probably my favourite move of the entire transfer window, Rog. It's given me hours of enjoyment, and I think will give us enjoyment for the rest of the season. What? Little Jack Wilshire, Rog, loaned to Bournemouth. Season-long loan. His career trajectory following that of Adam Sandler and Vince Vaughan before him. So... He's suffered 11 major injuries since 2011, managed just 141 minutes of Premier League football last season. Injuries taken a mental toll. I mean, it's undoubted he was better as a teenager than he is now, unsure of what his body can and can't do. What do you make of this move, David, from an Arsene Wenger perspective? Well, look, from a business point of view, it's very clear. Jack Wilshere is on very high wages. They just don't want to continue to play a guy high wages who, one, they don't know if he's going to be fit. And even if he is fit, they don't know where he fits in that midfield. They just don't know what they're going to get out of him. Um, For me, the more interesting question is what was in Jack Wilshere's mind? You know, for him, he's always been a sort of a, he's a London boy. He's a playboy footballer. He goes out a lot. He has a good time. He proper hates Tottenham. Yeah, he has a pretty high profile life. Bournemouth. Yes, it's on the south coast. That's beautiful. There's some lovely houses down in Sandbanks. But it is a it's a very, very different zip code than where he's been playing his football. There aren't many Premier League players at Bournemouth uh, living in the lights of London, uh, Rog. It's going to be interesting to see how he fits in down there. To me, this was just a wake-up call for him. Wenger trying to disrupt the narrative of Wilshire returns, Wilshire injuries, Wilshire's long layoffs, Wilshire's drinking in clubs and it's an acid test for him what can he be can he fulfill his promise as a swaggering teen or was he just and this is awful to say but a footballing Lindsay Lohan okay Rog quick word on Everton I did read I think it was Martin Keown gave Everton credit for having what he thought was the best uh, window of any team in the Premier League a lot of others think that it was a disaster for Everton Usually you see disaster where no one else sees it. How did you feel about Everton's window? We did become the joke of the transfer window. After Musa Sissoko was meant to have agreed terms, Everton sent a private jet to pick him up at the PJ. airport. And then he stopped taking That's calls. That's your budget gone. He sent Ronald Koeman straight to voicemail, David. Huh. And then he jumped to Spurs, leaving Everton looking as pathetic as a John Hughes character trapped in a love triangle. Football's Duckman. Mm. We're having to watch Molly Ringwall make out with Andrew McCarthy. I've got to say, I was relieved we didn't get him because to me, Spurs, less signed Sissoko, more got caught up in an eBay bidding war where you just bid and bid and bid and forget what you're actually bidding for. Yeah. And I've got a feeling buyer's remorse is sure to follow. For me, the transfer window... He was best. amazing at the Euros. He was terrible last season. Yeah, when he wants a new deal, yeah. when he doesn't want a new deal. 
By the way, talking about the Everton, the only sad thing was they were flinging money around. I'm upset they didn't spend 50 million on the bid for Dax McCarty. <laughs> but best transfer window, probably United, a pog back as Latan, perhaps most dominant of all in the long term, uh, Baye. But you've got to look at Newcastle getting 90 million for three of the midfielders, Sissoko, Wijnaldum and Townsend from a team that was relegated and think, wow, that is like Gorka being sold to Univision for 135 mil. Okay, the return of the Premier League. With that comes the return of our Togger Perfect 11 Fantasy Football League. And the big news, we've made some progress on the patch that we're going to be giving (laughs) to the GFOP with the high score every week. Roger. Yeah, well, it's the first draft, David. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's given me too much hair on uh-huh. this uh, patch. It's going back uh-huh. uh, to the workshop. So there hasn't been much progress. <laughs> <laughs> I, say, I love playing this Tog again. Yeah. I've got to be honest, it's added a whole new dimension to my football watching ritual. Yeah. At the weekend, Guinness, football, Twitter, and now maniacally checking my Togger League place to see how far behind JW I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Started Alexis, Tony V., De Bruyne, David Silva, Azard, and, and absolutely battered all of us last week, David. Yeah. Got to take him down. My Braggoos and led team just couldn't mm. compete. Yeah, I, JW, I think, I think when you're a fan of a team, I think you've got to play a certain number of those players in your fantasy team. I think it's important. And I feel like JW, he needs to play a few Ipswich town players uh, <laughs> in, in the Premier League fantasy, and we'll see how that works out for you, JW. It's easy to sign up. Just download the Togga, T-O-G-G-A app, on your phone, choose the 11 players you think will do the best that week and play against and almost certainly beat me and Rog. I, I can't recommend this game enough, David. I think these Togger guys are really onto something. They've taken the joy of fantasy soccer, melded the more nuanced American sense of fantasy statistics with a low barrier to entry and a long, sadly for me, long, long road to mastery. They're looking to raise $2 million in a round of funding. Huh. And if any GFOP, pocket right now. If it, that's our million-dollar contract. Oh, you're doing. If any GFOP VCs or investors are listening, yeah, I just say do it. Take do a look it. at the interface. It. It's a magnificent interface. So simple. Uh, okay, Rod. Speaking of fantasy football, our guest today has been a staple of your <laughs> fantasy team in the first few weeks of the season. Uh, a little earlier, you spoke with Lyndon Gooch. Our guest today is the breakout American star of this young Premier League season. In the age of YouTube highlight reels and unrelenting hype machines, the 20-year-old managed to go about his business quietly like a young warrior hero on an epic odyssey from his hometown of Santa Cruz, California through the punishing grind of English football's youth development system on his way to the Premier League promised land. On the eve of this season... Sunderland manager David Moyes tapped him to start the team's opener against Pep Guardiola's Manchester City, and he's not looked back. We welcome to the pod, joining us from Sunderland, where he's preparing for Monday's clash with Everton Football Club, the one and only Mr. Lyndon Gooch. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for that. Cheers. Thanks for coming on. I've got to say, Lyndon, when we told our listeners you were going to jump on the pod, we were inundated with questions from Californian surfers worried about your ability to keep catching waves in Sunderland at no water. <laughs> Do you prefer the waves at Roca Beach or at Santa Cruz? Well, they're a bit different. I think uh, Roca <laughs> Beach is a bit more stormy than Santa Cruz, to be honest. <laughs> You've gone there to focus on your football. And what a joy yeah. 
it's been to watch you play in the Premier League this season. An American who's worked so hard to create a chance for himself and then grab that opportunity with both hands. You're a remarkable player to watch. Technically blessed, you're able to create. I mean, a fascinating, unique set of traits for an American. I read that your dad, English-born Santa Cruz coach Paul Gooch, wanted you to stand out. So at a very early age, he taught you to beat defenders one-on-one. He always wanted me to be a skillful player who had played with loads of flair and um, just played with happiness and go out and express myself. And that's what I've just tried to do. But of course, you've got to work hard as well. It's it's not all about that. I think there's a lot of players that have amazing abilities, but they they just don't have the same attitude and um, mentality to stick through the tough times, really. How much of it is technical, Lyndon, and how much of it is just mental tenacity in the face of adversity? Um, I think, obviously, you need to have that technical ability um, to be able to play with both feet. And, um, but a lot of it does come down to your mentality. I think there's a lot of players that go in and out of, um, of big clubs that, that don't quite make it. But they have They have the traits, but they just... They're lacking, I think, that bit of mentality and, and strength to keep going to try and really prove that you're good enough. You first connected to Sunderland when you were playing for the Santa Cruz Breakers. You went over to try things out in Sunderland as a 10-year-old. And in yeah. your first game, you scored a hat-trick in 27 minutes okay. against Leeds United. Did you feel like you were some character in the goal movie like Santiago Munez? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's funny. I've seen that film a few times. Oh, that's um, magnificent. Yeah, except it's but the Jordies, unfortunately. <laughs> but, uh, we'll not we'll not mention that one again. Um, but no, yeah, I just went over as a ten year old um, with a uh, centre of excellence that was going from uh, San Jose, and I just tried to do what I do best and score goals and create opportunities and I was lucky enough that I, I did that very quickly in the first game and caught the eye of all the coaches and all the staff. You joined Sunderland on a full-time basis June 2012, yeah. signing a professional contract the moment you turned 17. Question from one of our listeners at Handsome Pizza. They want to know, Lyndon, what's the biggest difference between the things you did back then in practice with the youth team in Sunderland, as opposed to your experience in the United States? Going full-time is obviously um, a big step, um, whereas in the States you may train three times a week at the most and then play on the weekends, whereas here I'm training five days a week and play on the Saturday. So I think that constant um, repetition of practice and training every day and training at a very high level as well, like... Back in the States, I, I was probably the best player on my team. And I'm not saying that because I'm like big-headed or anything, but that's how it was. And whereas here, you're playing with players that are the same level as you and you have to compete with them to get that one chance to develop and become a first-team player. So I think that's the biggest thing for me is going full-time and competing with players that are as good as you every single day. I mean, you have become a first-team player. But wow, you've had to grind your way up there, experiencing the less glamorous side of English football. February 2015, you went to Gateshead 
in the conference, the fifth tier of English football. Last season, you're on loan to English League One's Doncaster Rovers, South Yorkshire Town, most famous for being the birthplace of a man, Thomas Crapper, who gave his name to (laughs) toilets. But at at any point, did you think, I should have just played in MLS, where I could be getting regular senior team games and staying closer to home? Um, no, to be honest, um, I think obviously there's always a dream to play in the MLS um, further in my career maybe, but um, I've always wanted to play in England since I was a little kid and I think if I decided to take the easy option and go back to MLS when times were tough and I wasn't even getting a game in for the reserves, I was on the bench, that's why I went to Gateshead to get more games and if I just took the easy route, I, w- I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now I'd, I'd possibly be playing the MLS I don't know but I'd, that was always my goal and I didn't want to give up on that at all I wanted to always play in the Premier League since I was a little kid and I'm just glad that I, I am strong mentally and I was able to just grind that out Let's fast forward to you fulfilling the dream that you had from yeah. when you were a little kid the Friday yeah. before the first game of this Premier League season Sunderland poised yeah. to play Manchester City, mighty Manchester City, and their new manager, David Moyes, announces that you, Lyndon Gooch of Santa Cruz, California, are going to start. Take us back there. Can you paint the scene? Where were you? How did you find out you were starting? And how did you feel inside when you heard your name called? Um, It was just towards the end of training. Uh, We just had a little uh, young-versold game uh, between the squad and then he said, right, I'm going to read the team out for tomorrow and we'll go and do some set pieces. And then the rest of the lads that aren't starting can go and do some go and do some finishing with the goalkeeper. So I just thought, oh, I'll be going over with the goalkeepers and doing a bit of extra finishing after training. And all of a sudden my name was read out and I couldn't believe it. It was, it was quite uh, a surreal feeling to actually hear my name and... Uh, I just looked around all the squad and a few of the, a few of the guys just said, yeah, yeah, you're playing. And I, was, I just couldn't believe it. I was just trying to stay calm, really. Were you nervous? Were you excited? Were you steely focused? What was the, the emotion? I was more excited. I think I just thought, oh, I'm, I'm making my Premier League debut tomorrow. That, that's the only thing that went through my head. Like, I just thought, well, first game of the season against Man City as well I did not see it coming I was something that just completely took me by surprise and I think took obviously a lot of people by surprise um, so it was just an amazing feeling I just wanted to stay calm and um, just focus on playing my game The, the way David Moy speaks he's, he pronounced Adnan Yanishai like Lyndon Gooch so there may have been a moment of confusion but when you realised <laughs> yeah. when you realised it was you did you sleep well the night before? Yeah, I, I actually I slept fine actually, which is uh, quite a surprise to everyone. I think even all the staff asked me, "Oh, how are you feeling? How are you feeling?" I'm like, "I'm fine." Like, I'm uh, like for some reason I wasn't nervous. I slept fine. I just tried to stay as calm as possible and just try and listen to the senior uh, pros that were giving me advice, um, and that's all I did really. What was it like in the tunnel for you mentally as you're braced to go on? You're standing there. They make you stand there forever. What was going yeah. through your head there? 
all I was thinking was just work hard and leave everything out on the pitch. And that's what I did. I was very focused, very determined to obviously impress the manager first and foremost to make sure that he made the right decision and that I can I can compete at that level because um, I always believed that I was good enough but it was whether I took my opportunity and um, I think I did that. I mean, it's fa- it was a fascinating game to watch. Not just your performance, which was fantastic. The team themselves really stepped up yeah. against uh, the likes of Kun Aguero, David Silva, yeah. Raz Sterling. I mean, you're still so young. You're still such a raw product, but you're now a yeah. fixture in the Premier League locker room where you always dreamt you would be. Mentally, yeah. do you try and project a cocksure kind of I belong here confidence? Or do you think a lot about what you need to improve on all the time? Yeah, um, I I always thought I belonged. Even last season when I was in and around the first team training every day, I could see that I was as good or better than people that were in the squad. And um, even now that I'm playing, I know I still need to keep improving. I know I still need to get better. Of course, you know that's what I need to do. And I'm, I'm a young player and hopefully I can do that under this manager because he believes in me and he wants me to do well and he wants me to improve as well. We've got to quickly talk about the international level, Lyndon. There was no place for yeah. you in this month's squad for the World no. Cup qualifiers, but Jurgen Klinsmann did tell the media that he's been in touch with you. What was his message? He just he just said, well done for um, what I've achieved and just telling me to to keep working hard and make sure I stay in the team and continue to get minutes on the pitch. Um, and he, he was just um, very complimentary, to be honest, just to tell me I've done really well and just to keep going and keep working hard. Next month, the United States play a pair of friendlies against Cuba and New Zealand. Are yeah. you going to be sitting by the phone the day the squads are announced? <laughs> um, we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, obviously, it would be a great achievement to play for the for the US men's national team. I think, obviously, I've played at youth levels as well, and it was a major honour. And of course, this would be an amazing moment for me. That would just the top off the start of the season. But I'm just trying to focus on Sunderland. You know, I've only I've only made three starts in the Premier League, and I want to keep playing and making sure that I'm playing every week uh, for this club. You have been capped by the US at junior level. You've also been capped by Ireland at the under-18s. Yeah. You've got close ties to England. Your dad, yeah. uh, a great Californian soccer coach, is from there. Yeah. You've come of age. You can tell by your accent, you've come of age in England. Yeah, I know. You were snubbed by yeah. the US for the under-20 World Cup in 2015. If you're not capped yeah. by the US, would you consider a call-up from one of your other possibilities? Yeah, I can never say no. I think Ireland is a part part of me. That's where my mother's from, and England's obviously a big part of me. I've lived here for four years now, and I've got obviously my dad's from England. I've got a lot of family over here, so I could never say never. Um, it would be a great honour to play for any three of the countries because that that's what I'm made of. That's what that's what uh, made me who I am, and. Um, yeah, I could never say never. But when you see Christian Pulisic doing it at the World Cup qualifiers, scoring age 17 yeah. in the US jersey, there's a little part yeah. of you thinking, me and him, World Cup 2018. Yeah, of course. Um, that's all, I think 
if you don't have that hunger and, and thoughts in your mind, then then I don't think you're gonna that you're gonna do it. You're not gonna achieve those things. And I think that that would be amazing. I think everyone, I mean, everyone growing up uh, would love to play in a World Cup. And yeah, I mean, that would be amazing. God, it would be amazing. And I know I'm not alone amongst our listeners in saying that. But as you said, back to Sunderland. It is a tough city. Yeah. I was last in Sunderland filming with Josie Altador. What a city. Yeah. I mean, I had some great barn cakes. I visited a fantastic yeah. chip shop, Coleman's. But it's a tough yeah. place. I mean, a tough place. If I'd grown up where you'd grown up, I would definitely get culture shock. I'd definitely feel homesick. <laughs> yeah. DeAndre Yedlin was there. He's now not there. You've talked about yeah. how mentally tough you have to be to prosper in the Premier League. And Sunderland, is, it's not London. It's not one of the places that most of our listeners are familiar with. What do you do yeah. when you get lonely there in hard times? I think the main thing for me, I was just trying to um, be in and around my teammates, um, especially the ones that lived away from home as well. There's quite a few of us in the youth team from Ireland and other places in England. So I think we all looked after each other and um, just tried to keep each other company and make sure we were all happy together because we were all going through the same, the same things, although I was obviously a lot further away. We were still going through the same things. A lot of young talent there. Adnan Yanishai, Donald Love, Duncan Watmore. Who are you closest yeah. with on the team? There's a, a lot of young players in and around the squad. I've got, obviously, a lot of friends that haven't, haven't broke through yet, so I'm very close to them. But um, I, also, I also try and... Um, just learn from Jermaine Defoe, to be honest. I'm around him a lot, always trying to learn from him, taking his experience. He's got unbelievable experience, same with John O'Shea and Lee Cattermall as well. Um, just being around the senior players is, is just amazing, and they're amazing pros, and they want to look after the young players coming through as well, so it really helps. It's been a slow start to the season. Three games in, one point. Yeah. After the second game of the season, a loss in the Teesweir derby against Middlesbrough. Sorry, against Brad Guzan's Middlesbrough. David Moyes yeah. said there'll be no dramatic change from the club's position in recent years as Premier League relegation fighters. When you hear your manager yeah. say that in August, how does that feel for the players in the dressing room? No one's mentioned it, to be honest. I think it's been a bit blown out of proportion. I think we know the way the club has been in the past four or five years battling um, for relegation. I think everyone, if you're looking at it realistically, no, it's not going to change overnight. I think it's going to be gradual, but with this manager, we can get more stability in the club and be able to push on and get top 10. We're just trying to do what we do and get results and perform on the pitch. And, and that, that's all really. We're not, we're not thinking about that. You know, to be honest, Lyndon, Having watched all of Sunderland's games, thanks to you, this season, I say the, po- <laughs> the the points really don't represent the quality of the football that you've played yeah. at times on the field. Thousands of yeah. young American teens will be listening to this interview, though, who've watched uh, every minute that you've played this season. All of them yeah. harboring dreams like you did once of reaching the Premier League. You yeah. have done it. I want to know, what's the one piece of advice that you've got for our young listeners out there who are going to try and follow in your footsteps? Um, 
just work hard. Don't take anything for granted. Um, there's a lot of players that have amazing abilities um, and great skills, and they just don't have the same work work ethic and mentality to keep wanting to improve and keep getting better and to continue to prove people that you're good enough, especially people that think you're not, prove them wrong. Um, for me, I think it just comes down to hard work. And I know that's very cliche. I think everyone says that, but that's the truth. As long as you keep working hard and do the right things, you'll continue to get better and catch people's eye. Lyndon, we will wish you well. You play Everton on Monday night. Go easy on yeah. them, please. I beg you. And Godspeed <laughs> to you for the rest of the season. Lyndon Gooch, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Amazing, Rob. <sighs> what a modest man. Cap tie him, Jürgen. Please, before I landing. The winner of the coveted Guinness Men in Blazers Poet, Philosopher, Sucker, Scribe, Raven of the Week is Patrick Lenehan on behalf of Cavan Lenehan from Richardson, Texas. Fellow balds, I just watched the end of the Hull City slash Man U game with my 11-year-old. He asked when they would let you guys call a game. <laughs> An MIB game of the week. That would be compelling broadcasting. That would be, be awful. Is Bob Costa standing in the way of this somehow? Maybe Probably. If he listens to our podcast. <laughs> Can we petition Loretta Lynch? Oh, we've always wanted to call a game, Rog. Well, I do think we'd be crap at it. I think it's so hard to commentate. Yeah. Uh, I think there'd be 45% more cursing and 90% more crying than when Arlo White does it. Yeah, yeah, well, marginally. It is hard to do it, though, isn't it? Yeah, very, very hard to do. You've got to prepare lots of stuff. You've got, you've got to know the names of all the players, Rog. That's very difficult. You've and got to know your own names. And you've got to be able to recognise those players when they have the ball. I would do it, though, David. Just yeah. to use the word unbelievable over and over and over again. I'd be using my own word for unbelievable, which is snodgrass. I would <laughs> particularly like to commentate on Hull. The, the only thing that would put me off doing it is I don't think we could ever do football funnier than Gus Johnson did it. No. Can't be better. <laughs> it's very, In very the good. area! I would love to do that whip around goal shape yeah. where we could just cover all the games and all the yeah. goals and you could just keep shouting... Whip around! <laughs> whip around! <laughs> Bloody I whip around! I love that. And by the end of the broadcast, we would have just ripped off our shirt sleeves, have our ties around our heads, and just generally look like we just made sweet, sweet love to a large pie. That's and pretty much what I look like after watching football over the weekend <sighs> anyway. It's fantastic. I would do it for a big, big game yeah. that is soaked in narrative. Uh-huh. A lovely segue to say, United against City, Jose against Pep. Bloody well done, Premier League writers. Amazing stuff. Two most expensive teams in Premier League history. Both have perfect records. Smash bang after the break. The pragmatist against the idealist. The Machiavellian against the poet. How is this game going to go down? Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Uh, I should say, Rog, your weekend looks like this. Courtesy of Mini USA. Yes, Rog, Saturday morning. It's the Manchester Derby as United host City at 7.30 Eastern Time. How's it going to go down? I have no idea, Rog. This is the beautiful thing. I don't know what the line is. I don't know what the odds are. It feels like this derby, I sort of agree with Jose, it's coming at a very odd time, right at the end of the international break, very early in the season. Neither team firing on all... They're very good already, but neither of them are firing on all cylinders uh, yet. I have no idea. I'm just hoping for a really, really good touchline fight between the two. They have a rivalry that goes back to when Pep's Barcelona was in its pomp, Mourinho hired by Real Madrid with the sole aim of knocking them off their perch. And by the time he walked away, Guardiola had an El Clasico record of five wins, two losses and four draws against Mourinho. 
That bitter approach that Mourinho will bring to the game is going to be reinforced by Zlatan's hunger for redemption. Guardiola signed Ibrahimovic and then struggled to play him while Lionel Messi emerged and the Swede destroyed Pep in his fake biography, calling him a frightened little overthinker. Mm. I think it's going to be fascinating. Will Rashford see the field? Will United have any pace without him? The big issue for me, if they start Claudio Bravo, who Pepper's moved hell or high water to get to be his new goalkeeper, and you start him in the crucible of such a high-stakes game with United's big men's Latan Fellaini Pogba absolutely pummeling him. I see United edging this, David. It could be my favourite uh, keeper, Willie Caballero. And it could, it could be a very dull... Uh, inactive 0 0 drill. Yeah, you never know, Rog. Uh, later after that game, it's Liverpool versus Leicester at 12 30 pm Eastern Time. And on Sunday, Chelsea visits Swansea City, Rog, at 11 am Eastern Time. All of those games are on NBCSN. In MLS, the New York Red Bulls host DC United. That's on Sunday at 1 pm Eastern Time on ESPN. Okay, there are many ways to connect us. One is our Amazon Emporium. It helps keep the show going anytime you go on Amazon. For items big or small, just click off the Emporium page. Men in Blazers gets a tiny percentage. allows us to cover the cost of creating the show. What are you putting in the Emporium, Rog? A book. Som Into the Breach by Hugh Seabag Montefiore. As many of you know, I've been fascinated by the First World War thanks to a rather demented English teacher, Mr. Stott who spent our entire fourth grade year making us take turns to read the most brutal First World War poems out loud as he just sobbed behind his desk. It's a hundred years since the key battle of the war, the Somme, and this weighty tome, complete masterpiece, examines every moment through first-hand testimony from soldiers uh, written in their diaries, which gives it all an emotionally searing punch. You kind of feel every moment of this months-long stalemate of trenches, poison gas, starvation, shell fire, shell shock, and machine guns. Thousands of men simply drowning in the mud. It's a huge book, real masterpiece, and a testament to human bravery and foolhardiness in equal measure. Okay, uh, Rog, I'm really into stationery. Back-to-school shopping. I'm sure a lot of GFOPs with kids are doing your back-to-school shopping have made the run to Staples uh, with your kids. Um, I also like doing my back-to-school shopping. I love making documents, Rog. It's one of my great things. Here at Embassy Row, we pitch a lot of shows, we write a lot of show documents, and we go out and pitch them. And what those pitch documents look like are really important to me. This is very important for those of you looking for a job, potentially, or putting together your resumes. Is one thing that can make your documents look so much better. Don't put it in a crappy little binder. Don't use paper clips. Definitely don't staple. You hate staples. I hate staples. Order yourself some style-coloured binder clips. These tiny little... I, I always call them buffalo clips. Maybe they're called butterfly clips. But they come in different colours. They're little, they're small. And if you want to put a cover letter and perhaps a resume behind it and deliver it to someone, just put one of these, perhaps in the colour of your favourite team, like blue if you're a Chelsea, Leicester or Everton fan, green if you like Plymouth Argyle or, <laughs> or, or San Etienne, yellow if you like Norwich City, orange if you like Hull, purple if you're an Orlando City fan. Essentially blue if you want a job. And put it, put it on, red if you, of course, like Arsenal, Liverpool, United, and just put it on there. It's amazing what one of these little style-coloured binder clips 
how much better it will make your document look. Right, only use Courier or Times New Roman font. Don't use anything else. Don't use anything fancy. I know you're going to be sucked into Century Gothic, but don't use it. Well, Everyone can see Garamond, it coming. You no, 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 no. Times New Roman or Courier. Don't consider anything else. Just put your documents together. Just make them look classy. Put a little binder clip on the outside. I guarantee it'll work for you. What Dave essentially has just said, it doesn't matter what's in oh, the Oh, content. Oh, oh, who cares about that? It's how you present the information, Rod. I'm telling you as a television person, it's how you present the information. It's not what's actually in the information <laughs> <laughs> or the formation. Uh, okay, Rod, visit meninblazers.com to sign up for our newsletter, which we produce with our partner Guinness. We have a new issue going out this Friday with a feature on the US men's Paralympic national team. It's amazing. Rog. Follow us on Twitter at Men in Blazers, at Embassy Davies, at Roger Bennett on Instagram, at Men in Blazers, at Embassy underscore Davies on Facebook, Men in Blazers. You can always send your ravens to the crap part of Soho. You can always email us at meninblazers at gmail.com. Vendorpunk Rog. War pig. Who wants to sex my tumble? Explosion. Courage. Take that, Gloria. Is that your analysis? It's a tweed. Abrogado, rock on, mate. Kung fu fight in America. Love you, David. Love you, Roger. Safe travels, mate. Thank you very much. In true suboptimal fashion, we forgot to mention that the Men in Blazers show is back this Monday, September 12th, live at 5.30 p.m. ET on NBCSN immediately after Sunderland Everton. Yeah, we're live. Like actually live. Like live, live, live. Get ready for some real crap and some more crap cap.